My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. 1.44 billion dollars per year and 40% of book sales are all attributed to the book genre of erotica. That is a huge amount of sales, 40%. Is that is that true? It's true. I yeah. did not know that. I've, I've actually been report. trying now to figure out I'm like how much does your average erotic novel sell and the numbers have been so all over the place. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. trying not to pay attention. Yeah, yeah. It <laughs> is all over the place, but that's a big number. I yeah. mean, and I and I think that erotica has this reputation for not being, you know, there's still some taboo around it. And it's like, actually, it's the most profitable. It's, a lot of people are reading it. So welcome back, everyone, to Girl Boner Radio. I'm your host, August McLaughlin. I'm sitting here with Joanna Angel, who is an award-winning adult film star, director, producer. She's joining me today to discuss her debut and totally unique erotic novel and more. Later on, you're going to hear from Dr. Megan Fleming, who has thoughts for a listener who recently discovered that his girlfriend writes very kinky erotica and wonders if that says anything about their sex lives. (laughs) A quick reminder to head over to my website, augustmclaughlin.com, where you can find follow-up blog posts for most episodes and sign up for occasional Girl Boner extras. You can also join the Girl Boner community online at facebook.com forward slash my girl boner. This episode is brought to us in part by the Pleasure Chest, which is a fabulous company that has been championing sex positivity for decades. So if Joanna's book gives you a girl boner, if our conversation gives you a girl boner, or if just life gives you a girl boner, head over to thepleasurechest.com to find awesome toys, lube, and other goodies to play with in your bedroom. Joanna, you're prolific in the adult film industry, and you've done so many different things. You run a company. You're creating so much. What inspired you to write your first novel? Um, Look, I've always wanted to write a novel. Um, I think a lot of people don't know or don't realize or um, just don't assume. Um, I was part of lots of different writing workshops in high school that I went to after school on the weekends, you know, like that that wasn't part of my curriculum, you know. Um, I... I, I, yeah, I, I used to go take like a writing workshop thing that um, that was in Manhattan when I lived in Jersey. I would, I would do it like every other Sunday or something. Um, I I went to open mic nights a lot that I didn't really tell that many people about because I was a little embarrassed about it. Um, I always kept a journal. I was always writing. Um, when I was in college, uh, I took one summer and not for college credit, just for fun, I guess. I took... Uh, an entire like eight week course, I think it was at um, the Naropa Institute, which is a I I don't even know if it's around anymore. I mean, this was uh, this was almost twenty years ago at this point. <laughs> um, it it's like a, a it was like a school founded by Jack Kerouac that just for writers to like share their writing, and a lot of writers came to the school and and gave people workshops and stuff like that. So. Um, writing has been a big part of my life for a really long time. If anybody ever asked me when I was younger what I wanted to be when I grew up, I'd always say a writer. Um, and um, Did you have to live your way into it? I feel like 
I discovered that I not only wanted to be a writer, but I felt like I discovered I was a writer before I pursued it professionally. And you kind of have like a fifth sense when you're a writer. Like I feel like writers, when they're in a room full of people having a conversation, you know, like they're they're looking at different things than other people. You like anytime you're out or anything, you look at people and you make up stories for them in your head and stuff like that. You know, you just like pick up on things. And I actually do remember when I was at the Naropa Institute forever ago. Um, I do remember that, you know, they'd have these like different like writing mentors come in. And I remember talking to one of them being like, yeah, as soon as I'm done with college, I'm going to be a writer. I'm just going to like work at a restaurant and like work as little as I possibly need to just to make the bare minimum amount of money, you know, to pay rent somewhere and just write. And then I remember the person, I wish I remembered their name, but I remember the person said to me, um, don't do something else and write as your life, you know, flourishes. Because mm. he's like, if you just sit in a room and write and you don't have anything going on, you're going to be stuck. You know? your inspiration? And I was like angry by that because it was like almost ruined my like what I thought I was going to do with my life. But, you know, it's really good that he said that because now you have you all know, the spotter. You have all this. Yeah. Yeah. And in. while I did not know at the time that porn was going to be where I went. But yeah. Um, um, yeah. So so I've always wanted to write a book, um, you know, and then porn definitely took over my life but I always kept writing like I've been writing pornos the past 15 years and even if I'm just writing one page uh, of dialogue you're still it's still hard work you're you're creating stories you are creating a story you are you are attributing characteristics um to people you know and even little things with being a porn director picking out the girl's outfit picking out the location picking out the set like you're creating a story and even if that story is just a girl walked into a room and took her clothes off and fucked someone like it's still a story nonetheless you know like you're still creating an atmosphere that's a fantasy absolutely um and I've written a lot of people make jokes and you say I write porn scripts they're like what like fuck me harder fuck me harder I'm like no like that like, I've written, like, 30, 40-page scripts before, and it's hard work, you know? Like, like it, most movies, like, mainstream Hollywood movies, you've got a whole room full of people writing and trading ideas and thoughts. Like, this is just, like... And it was all up to you. Yeah, and of course, I do have help, you know? Like, I have friends that help me. I've, you know, I've, I have an assistant who, you know, works on a lot of, like, our social media and stuff like that, and um, I always hit her up. I've hit her up at, like, 4 o'clock in the morning so inappropriately, like, I'm stuck! What do I do next? And she's like, what? Like, I think every writer has your group of friends that you know can always feed you something when you're stuck. You need it. Sometimes you just have that chemistry with people. Sometimes I go on Twitter and I'm like, what do you think I should do here? And, you know, but so it's like my brain was still writing. It just was, you know, um, screenwriting instead of fiction. Or I used to write a lot of poetry. I used to love writing poetry. Mm. I had like a whole little poetry zine that I sold when I was in college. Um. It was called, actually, it was called Sex About Poems. (laughs) (laughs) I really like that name. So you're obviously very, very creative because not only did you create, and that's a a beautiful title, you created so many different things, but this book has such a creative setup. I grew up loving Choose Your Own Adventure books where you could read along and then you get to kind of decide. No, this was lots and lots of fun to write. And um, I always thought, you know, being in the adult industry, um, what's typical when a girl gets offered a book deal or a guy for that matter, it's it's a story about it's a it's a book about your experiences in porn. And I was 
really excited when I got approached to write fiction, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's, uh, there's so much freedom, right? You can... Yeah, there's so much freedom and, and um, just, you know, you, you get to invent uh, people. Yeah, and, and you invented lives. somebody. So Taryn, the main character, is... If somebody imagined a character that somebody who has been a prolific porn star and porn creator might make... They might not guess that you would create the main character has very little sexual experience. Oh, which I yeah. Was fascinating. Well, look, Why did you make that choice? Well, Taryn is very much exactly who I was when I first graduated college and got in the porn industry, you know? So it was like, very easy. So you started to, the um, porn industry without a lot of sexual no, experience. Yeah, without a lot of sexual experience or knowledge. Um, so, yeah, Taryn's character completely made sense to me. Um, and I had a lot of fun with it. I felt like I was like stepping back into the mindset that I had, um, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And, yeah. um, and it was fun, you know. I bet. And she starts out. So she's working as a so, yeah, salesperson in a sex in a, toy store, yeah. like a, an adult store. And, and she ends up people having in. all these different yeah. ideas. And so all these how different you, people come in. You yeah. Know? How and did you did. choose the different fantasies? Because what's so cool is it gives the reader creativity as well. You get to choose yeah. and which direction you want to go. When I told um, the, the publisher, you know, at first they they were the ones who were like, we really want to do a choose your own adventure erotic novel. And we think you could do a good job with it. And I got excited and I started to think of different ideas. What's what's a good plot base to invite a whole bunch of different experiences. And um, that in adult video store, it just made so much sense to me because um, these stores, and I've done a lot, I've had a lot of experience over the past, you know, 10 years going to different adult stores. And um, there's so many different kinds and um, so many different kinds of people come in, you know, like you really, people seem to think that only one kind of person goes into these stores and right? it's so There's not all these true. stereotypes, like it's this very lonely, Old awkward man dude. who's, you know, got ketchup on his shirt and, you know, hasn't been laid in 30 years and is walking around the store. It's like, why would someone like that really even go to a porn store? Because they don't have a need, like most people have sex lives that they want to enrich. You know what I mean? It's exactly. not like a, yeah. a prostitution ring. It's not like he's going to walk in so you get a whole range of genders and you get you know especially these days but yeah it's and especially the ones that are open all night which is there's not even that many of them left um you know i do feel like this book being retro in the fact that it's choose your own adventure you know like that's kind of an 80s throwback but the idea of adult stores are also becoming a bit retro, you know, because a lot of them are going away. Well, everything's or just changing. Online, you know, they changing. have the sex positive stores. Right. Like yeah. Like the Future Chest and Babeland and right, stuff. Right, right, right. But like so the fluorescent this, light yes. sort of all night thing. So is, I tried yeah. to capture the charm. And there actually is a chapter where Taryn um, goes to visit the Hustler store and she's blown away and really confused because the place that she works at is like in a strip mall mm-hmm. that's family owned, you know, that's um, open 24 hours and very kind of dodgy and everything's disorganized and, you know, and there's people that come in there and jerk off late at night and, you know, and there's drugs in the back sometimes. And, and she also, that. there's humor in the book too. Well, there's she, a lot of humor she, in the book, you know. You, mistakes lube for hand sanitizer yeah, yeah which yeah, really cracked yeah. me up which shows some of the naivete that she's coming in totally with. and i think that creates the experience from the reader standpoint we all remember 
when sex was new yeah. and sexual adventures were new. So to go to that space, everything's so much more exciting. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's a lot of Taryn in me. I mean, I still get shocked. Like, I feel like no matter how advanced you are, when you're in a room full of people having sex, like it's it never gets old, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. There's still always things that can shock you, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's it, it's always, like, a different experience and yeah. a different adventure. But, yeah, like, and in the adult s- store. So I tried So, yeah, there is a chapter that I really like that chapter when Taryn goes to visit the Hustler store and there's, like, a coffee shop in there making macchiatos and there's, like, really attractive people and dressing rooms. Like, oh, do you need a different size of this? Do you need this? And she... <laughs> explains in her sex shop how like if people look at lingerie they can only try it on in the bathroom and then when someone has to pee it's really uncomfortable or like you know what I mean she so I tried to capture the charm of the sort of type of store that's disappearing you know what I mean um which is nice it preserves it you know because I think a lot of us remember the first sex toy store we went into probably was like that yeah, you know, totally, you know. yeah, totally. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, obviously I'm I'm very happy that all the, the, the Babelands and the Good Vibrations, I mean, those are wonderful stores run by wonderful people. And it, it seemed like a natural progression for that's where stores should go. But yeah. but the, those, the, the stores that I've been to, you know, in the middle of nowhere with the jerk off booths and the glory holes that like everything's really outdated. You it's know? a great setting because it it's is. so unique and it there's, really puts the person in that There's something really charming place. and comfortable about it. And you yeah, know what? Yeah. In those stores at four in the morning, sometimes you'll have a really rich businessman coming in to like jerk off to, you know, porn that he couldn't jerk off to at home. Or you'll have a couple come in that you'd never expect, like looking to have like you know like straight from church or something. right yeah, yeah exactly and everything and anything in between all you'll yeah. have someone like wasted you know yeah it, yeah that, that came back from the bar and isn't where like, really sure where to go next or mm-hmm. do you have a somebody, favorite fantasy like, a in batch- the book like is there one that stands you know, out to you as i tried really- not to have a, a favorite because i didn't want anyone to read the book and really think this was all centered around one story and everything else was just fluff you know what i mean i think every story is really special in its own way um but uh, there is, a, a, like, a, a a story of a trucker that comes in, like a big, burly trucker that we call the lumberjack in the book. And as the story continues, we learn that he is um, a cross-dresser. So he comes in the store and he tries on panties and garters and stockings. And um, him and Taryn get into this very unique uh, love situation. And, uh, I mean, a love story between... A 45-year-old trucker and a 23-year-old college graduate is interesting enough as it is, but you put on top of the fact that he's, uh, you know, you, you learn about his life and, you know, and how he has this, like, deep desire to, like, wear panties and thigh highs and heels. And um, as he, be- as the as the, the lumberjack discovers his feminine side, Taryn also discovers her feminine side because she's like, I never wore anything other than a sports bra before. But seeing the way, like how nicely the lace panties looked on him, I wanted to try them. You know what I mean? And like, it's it's a really like sweet, uh, unique love story. And it was um, probably the furthest stretch for me in the book. Like, I feel like almost everything else in the book is something I've either firsthand experienced myself or been around to the point where it was just like, very 
so close to my life that it was easy to write. But nothing like that has ever happened in my life at all. This is such a fictitious character. I did, you know, I did have a person I met somewhere along the way in my adventures that um, that was a crossdresser, and I did find him fascinating. But um, I had only spent like two days with him. Um, mm-hmm. It was somebody I'd met at a strip club once, but um, he was not a trucker. And he, so I started. You got to read a lot about, you know, like while I was writing that story, I had to stop for a day. And first I was reading different um, blogs and message boards that were meant for cross-dressers so I could learn about the culture and learn about what pains these people, what interests these people, what, you know, I didn't want to be like too fetishizing. I didn't want to be insulting, you know, so I had to read a lot just of like profiles of these people. It's so good that everything's at your fingertips now. Yeah, I would find people's blogs and then I would click on their Twitter page and I would just get into this hole on the internet just to really understand, you know, um, what was going on. But, um, but in addition to that, I also had to read a lot about truckers and a lot about Florida and like, you know, because the story takes place in Florida and like, you know, different things. Like I had to read about like because there's a there's like a sex scene in a truck stop. So I had to start looking at pictures of truck stops. Yeah. And like the research itself is such a fun I started reading like Yelp reviews on truck stops like this <laughs> led so me funny. to so many interesting. Um, and it brings a specialness the to the internet. stories. Yeah. when You have this detail. And I love that you mentioned the similarities and differences in your own life versus the story because we have a question from a listener that oh, wow. I'm going to have. Questions from listeners. Yeah, which is fun. So Dr. Megan Fleming of Great Life, Great Sex answered. So we'll hear her response and then we can chat about it as well. But this question came from Benji okay. who wrote this. Okay, so this is weird, but here <laughs> goes. I found out my girlfriend writes erotica stories under a pen name. I found some of her stuff and then she admitted to it. It is hot, don't get me wrong, but I get the feeling that she's writing about sexual escapades she either wants to have on the side or is having on the side or just wishes we were having. The stories are a lot kinkier than we are. She said fiction and real life are different. And I get that. But isn't that odd, though? Why would you write about something you're not into? Thanks, Benji. Benji, thank you so much for your vulnerability in sharing this question. I think it's a really important one. Here's what Dr. Megan had to say. Thanks so much for your question. And you know, I can imagine initially it must have been a bit of a shock um, finding out and reading some of the uh, fantasies and erotica written by your girlfriend. And what's interesting, and um, I definitely agree with her statement that, you know, the thing about fantasy is it's a place for our imagination to go. Um, it is fiction and it is an opportunity to sort of explore, you know, all aspects of, you know, sort of self and, uh, you know, the sense of, I often say, whatever turns you on in fantasy doesn't mean you want to do it in real life. Like I might have the fantasy of robbing a bank because the idea of not worrying about money and sort of being flushed the rest of my life feels amazing, but it's not something I would do in real life. And so I think, um, the, the concern you have is, you know, she somehow in her writing, um, expressing a desire for something that maybe you haven't yet as a couple tried on. And I certainly think that that part of the conversation is is worthy, right? To sort of explore with her, tell me more. Like when you're writing it, what's your headspace and, you know, where to get your ideas from and what about those stories or plot lines? Um, what aspects of that are a turn on for you and how or why maybe have you not explored it with another partner and any part of her want to explore some of that with you because I always say we know what we know and we don't know what we don't know um 
And I think when it comes to fantasy, even watching erotica or porn, sometimes we read things or see things that we maybe never knew sort of spoke to us, right? Gave us a sense of like, oh, that's interesting. I kind of want to maybe explore that. And then the opportunity is, as I always say, put a toe in the water versus jumping in the deep end of the pool, right? So really getting to, you know, maybe if it's kinkier, maybe you're starting with a blindfold. I always say the great thing about a blindfold is when you cut off one of your senses, the other, the others are, are heightened. So again, that might be something to play with, or maybe it's a writing crop. Um, but I think the great thing here is the opportunity to expand the conversation and to continue the conversation because I think so often couples really get into sexual scripts and ruts because they aren't exploring fantasy or just exploring the range of their turn-ons. So I hope that you do more of that together. And as always, can't wait to hear how it goes. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. And Benji, I can totally vouch for the fact that I've written stories that I might fantasize about what's happening and either would never do what I was writing yeah. about, or I just get so turned on Some, by the thinking about it. Sometimes writers, they just want to write, you know? Yeah. She might just need a creative outlet, Yeah, you know? But, totally. Um, the, it, the fact that she was keeping it a secret is a little strange. That is the only thing that, that makes me think maybe there's about. something going on, you know? like if Maybe well, she's ashamed of it or yeah. who knows? But having the conversation seems really important. Like, why didn't yeah. you feel comfortable talking to me? Maybe she anticipated he might feel uncomfortable yeah. about kink or and you know what if you really have that feeling just just go ahead and try to be a little dirtier i don't know maybe read her stories and see what inspires your brain and don't even yeah tell and, her. And say you know this turned me on can we try this yeah or just do it i mean i have a i mean i'm not a sex educator or you know and, and this is probably goes against what a lot of sex educators would say but some some i, I do think Sometimes when people, especially couples, couples all have sex problems after they've been dating for years. It's the most common problem. It doesn't matter if you're two celebrities, two porn stars, two supermodels, like, or two regular people. You know, like, after you've been having sex with the same person for five, six years, like, you're going to have that time where, like, you're like, You might right. be in a rut or something. You might be in a rut. Sure. You, you know, you're going to miss that. That, like, you know, initial. The punch you know, drunk feeling. Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah. So. It is something I it's the number one thing that people complain to me about is if I have some magical answer, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I what I do think and as someone who's been in that situation a few times or just had friends in that situation, like sometimes it is good to communicate about your sexual issues, but sometimes too much communication almost makes things awkward in the bedroom. You I know, know what you're like, talking about because I've done that because yeah, I love talking about exactly. this stuff. So I will like start talking about a scientific and you're sex like, oh, study. Let's do this <laughs> yeah, and let's yeah. do this and why don't we try yeah. this and let's go to sex therapy and let's do this and like at a certain point, it's like you you just gotta fuck. <laughs> Instead of yeah. spending an hour talking about fucking, just fuck. And, and you like, can communicate through. You can communicate things. while you're fucking you yeah, know like do language. this to me do this to me but like mm -hmm. if i think if you overdo it and especially if you're dealing with a man you know like a man and a woman like i think women forget sometimes and i i know men's penises really well because my job depends on them you know like um and i've not just men i'm having sex with in my 
personal life. Like on set, I've seen, obviously seen it happen where a guy can't get an erection. And the number one worst thing I've seen to do, and a lot of times it just, it it never comes back and I have to call a replacement and, you know, it's always the worst nightmare as a as a porn director. And it's going to happen. Sure. No, if you've been directing porn for a long time, it happens to everyone, you know. Yeah. But but the, I know from the times when I've seen it start to happen and then it, it, 20 minutes later, it's, he's the guy's back and better than ever. Like the worst thing you can do is start to talk about it or like, you know, like the second, like the director or the other girl Where in the scene or something. Go? Yeah. Like if you start being like, is there anything you need? Oh, what turns you on? Like, oh, what if I did this? Like, oh, how about if I, you know, like you, and the guy's like, it. yeah, exactly. the best thing to do is be like, Go outside, smoke a cigarette, let's shake it off, let's forget about it and try again in 20 minutes. Like, I find that that's always the best thing to do. And it's almost the same thing when you're dealing with a couple, you know, like when you're dealing with like a penis that has to get erect, like the penis does not work with communication. Maybe the brain does, you know what I mean? We can set ourselves out, right? Yeah. Saying to anybody, all of a sudden, you need to be turned on right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really. So while I think like over feeling. analyzing sex is something I know all women really like to do, you know, and we kind of get off on that. Some but you do. have to keep I know in guys mind. who do it too. But yeah. like, but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. You know I think, what I mean? You're I think dealing we need with a penis to... and the penis doesn't have to think logically. If you're <laughs> right. in a, if you're, you know, if you're talking about a male, male, female relationship, sure, you know, sure. it might be different. And, you know, like yeah. I know with lesbian relationships, it's it's always a different thing, you know, yeah, but when you're dealing case, with like penises are a weird animal. And when you, when you have one there, like, you got to just think if you're having sex issues and you're a male-female couple, you, you you might have to, like, do things a little alter, alternatively because ultimately if that dick doesn't get hard, <laughs> your sex problems aren't going to be solved. And maybe having a three-hour conversation in therapy is not going to get someone's dick hard. Right. <laughs> Unless there's, like, some other big underlying right. issue, which yeah, is different, like, right? You know, if you're dealing with abuse or, like, right. something like Sexual that. Trauma, I mean, obviously, that's, trauma, that's, totally that's beyond your yeah. normal, you know, Completely. stale relationship Completely. after a couple of years of, you know, revitalizing things. It's like, Completely. you know, maybe just put on a nurse's costume or something. Try or, something. Put on some heels. There's you know, something to be said like, for just surprising each just, other and trying it is, to think. No, it, and it's difficult. When you live with someone and you're in a routine, it's hard to go from, honey, like, did you, like, wash the dishes? Can you take the trash out? Don't forget you have a doctor's appointment tomorrow and bend me over and fuck me. Like, it's hard to switch back and forth yeah. and you have to, like. Well, like, Esther Perel, who's this amazing sex therapist, talks about uh-huh. that whole like we expect so much from relationships now and it is hard to have that erotic space yeah. when you're also seeing all this domestic stuff or so that's why having your own individual life and also your own individual sexuality you know so that maybe it is that in, in this case maybe Benji's girlfriend finds a lot of mysterious individuality in her ability to write erotica. Yeah. You know, it's okay to have something you don't share that is obviously within your own value system. But if she's just expressing her fantasies, that's cool and actually can be really hot to share with each other. Like getting turned on by talking about fantasies and the stories, I think, can be really amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you have gotten a lot of attention for being a powerful feminist voice in the adult film business. Do you consider your novel a feminist erotica? Um, you know, th- this is like a very complex subject because I feminism is a topic that that's very uh, dear to me and, and very um, important to me and has definitely shaped my life. Um, but then 
Uh, it's kind of strange because my life in the porn industry, which, you know, it's it's a, it's an important topic, like uh, another important piece of advice somebody gave to me a while ago is um, you can't choose your own fame. So I remember when I first started in the industry, I, I just assumed I was going to be known as this feminist pornographer, you know, and uh, that actually didn't really wind up happening. There is a whole genre of porn that the world has called feminist porn, and they don't always consider my porn in there, which is, um, I've heard different reasons for it. Um, I, I guess the feminis feminism I learned about in college does not particularly Why is that, do you think? Or is it because um, it's too hardcore? Which I think feminist porn can totally be well, I know, and I find that insulting sometimes right. because I'm like, you know, you talk to every woman and like, the most I'm not and also I don't like to generalize what women like in porn right. either you know we're all right. different I know so many different female porn directors and we all make vastly different porn yeah. you know um so I don't really like the term porn for women either because yeah. that assumes that all women are the same species and right and especially when people do say porn for women it's always just assumed that it has a really long plot that you know it can be really misleading it yeah, can be really just, misleading I'm telling me, you as someone who's been traveling and selling porn for a very long time yeah I see more women by the gangbangs than anybody else you know yeah <laughs> like, I've, I've actually seen that and in studies yeah. I just interviewed course, somebody who said they want the to research see a lot shows of <laughs> that the most violent hardcore porn is more women more watch it a lot by women. more and yeah. it, you know and so to me when I think feminist porn I think of things like diversity like showing lots of different shapes and sizes or because to right. me, my for me, it's important that feminism, my feminism is intersectional. Like I want to make sure uh, that we are talking about equality and oppression on all different levels. Like if you are a woman of color, you're going to be far more oppressed than a, a white woman and that kind of thing. So I think about it more as the what what we're featuring could be much more inclusive, like the inclusive inclusivity right. of it. What to you makes porn feminist or your porn feminist? Um, you know, I it is hard exactly to put my finger on, but I think it's always been really important to me just to show the woman having a good time. Mm. And that's a difficult thing because I've hired girls before where it's like sometimes they're just really quiet, you know, and sometimes they might be having a good time. But, you know, not everybody's an amazing actress, you know, and um and so that's a difficult thing, but I try, I, I'm not, I love the porn I like the best. I like to show the woman having fun. When I write storylines, it's very common for me to always have kind of the men being the goofballs and the idiots in the movie and the women always saving the day, you know, and that might be my, my own kooky way of being feminist. Whereas I think most feminist porn, like, like because I've never shot, and, and that doesn't mean I never will. It's something I'm open to and something I might do in the future. I never say never, I, I don't know, but in my time in porn, I haven't made a movie where girls are fucking guys with strap-ons. It's not anything I've ever done in my personal life. It's not something I know a lot about. You know, it's not something that I think of when I'm masturbating. I don't know. And I, I think it's cool. I like hearing about it. I, when I have friends that use strap-ons on their husbands in personal lives, I'm always asking about it, you know, but like, it's just not what I think of when I think of making a porn. I don't know, and I I want to I want to make what I know. I want to make what's a fantasy. And, right. It's like you know, writing. It's you bring in your own individuality. Yeah, and I think sometimes for that reason, or sometimes because I do like a lot of costumes, a lot of makeup. I like sexy lingerie, and you know, I like the glamour of porn. One of the first 
pornos I ever watched, I remember seeing those clear stripper heels for the first time in my life and these bright pink fishnet stockings. And the girl had like really cool, like glossy, glossy, like makeup and, you know, like purple eyeshadow, like super 90s, like hot gonzo porn, you know, and like, I don't know, that turned me on, you know, um, and so, no, my porn doesn't exactly look like that, but it's my own rendition of that. You know, sure. like I like sort of um, stepping, being like Superman. Like I'm just like, right, like during the day I'm Clark Kent. And when I step onto a porn set and I get my makeup done and I put my heels on, I become a new character. And that character is just ready for anything. And I think I think sometimes for that reason, it doesn't get thrown in the feminist porn category because feminists, a lot of the the porn that's labeled as feminist there's very little makeup a lot of the girls aren't very well shaven and stuff like that and i I, i'm all about it i think it's great i think that what i love about porn is that there's something for everyone but you know i did used to get upset about it that i'm like okay well i don't know I didn't know those were the rules of feminism. Because feminism is about equal rights to have our own choices. So if you choose to wear makeup, that's great. If you choose to shave your legs or not shave your legs, right? And, you know, I I think maybe I'm pandering to, according to some of these feminists, I'm pandering to what the man has decided was sexy. But I'm like, do you really know the history of makeup? Was it really created for a man? None of us know, you know, like women feel sexier with makeup on. That's why a lot of them wear it. They're not feeling oppressed. Yeah. And mean, I mean, you know, like there's societal yeah. pressure, right? To of look certain ways. Yeah. Um, but, but I don't think judging people for what turns them on is a good idea. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's you know, it's a difficult thing. Yeah, and you yeah. know what? Um, sometimes you just got to get labeled where it makes sense, you know? And if my porn is not going to sell in the feminist porn section of the store, then that's fine. Put it where you think it needs to go. Like I said, you can't choose your own fame. Um, I'm happy that there's so many different options yeah. in the porn industry. And, um, you know, I I thought in the beginning, um, like, I wanted more men to watch my porn because I was like, it made me happy to think of a man watching porn that was created by me in a context that where, you know, I thought I was celebrating sexuality and and women's pleasure and women's pleasure. I, I, I felt like I was accomplishing more if I could get a man to jerk off to my porn instead of another porn that maybe isn't coming from the same healthy, fun place. Like, like I'm I'm changing the, mar- you know, yeah. like mm-hmm. it's almost like when I was um, in college and part of this like animal rights group. Um, and the eight of us would get together like every other Tuesday and watch the same videos about like, you know, animal slaughter and this and that. But everybody in the room was vegan, including myself. And it's like at a certain point, I'm like, guys, shouldn't we be showing these videos to people who aren't vegan? Wouldn't that change? Isn't that the point? You you know what I mean? So like creating porn inside of a group of people that's already forward thinking and selling that porn to more forward thinking people like isn't the goal to kind of go outside of that box and try to get people that would normally jerk off to something Mm. to jerk off to something else I mean yeah we have to work within the culture that we have right if we want to change it like that yeah exactly so So I I, that was kind of my goal my as an activist sort of I'm like if I could get you know just your regular, I don't know, businessman to watch my porn instead of 
this one other that porn, doesn't show the woman's pleasure at all. Or, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I think I've succeeded. Of course. You know, more so than getting somebody who would probably be my best friend. You know what yeah, I mean? Because yeah. those people are going to watch it anyway. Totally. You know? Totally. So it's just a different way of approaching things and a different way of doing things. You know, like I'm I'm not making just porn for my eight best friends to watch, you know? Like I'm trying to make it right. for to, the masses so I can change a large, you know, group yeah, of people. Yeah, to, to make a big impact. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you feel like we need more women directors in porn um, look, still? There's a lot of women directors. Yeah. There really are, you know. I think I think there's a very healthy amount, especially now. I mean, at the AVN Awards this year, the the one of the biggest award winners of the night was Brie Mills, and she's a, you know, a lesbian feminist uh, woman director. And the porn that she directs is disturbing, you know, and she, she prides so? herself on it. I mean, she has a whole line called, and I actually directed a movie for her company recently, so I'm excited for it to come out, but it was the most fucked up movie I ever wrote. How um, so? I'm so curious. I mean, her movies, uh, they're... Um, I mean, I don't want to speak for her, but but it's she she has a very popular new website called Pure Taboo, um, and it's all like really taboo family stories, but not just your typical like oh look here's like my stepdad smelling my panties like it's like oh my stepdad like came in in the middle of the night when I was sleeping and like I don't you know like oh. like she had like a whole story. Um, it wasn't a family one, but it was like a prom one where a girl went to like her prom and she basically got like gang raped by a bunch of people when she got there. But it was hot the way she did it. You know, like she really pushes the envelope. Um, interesting. And, um, and that's not typically what you'd think feminist porn is. Right. You, you know, wouldn't. but she's. Yeah. And I mean, she's brilliant and she's, a uh, you know, and she's doing her thing. But yeah, yeah, I wrote a I wrote a movie for her that I directed for her that'll come out in the next couple months. Um, about a stepbrother that that is fucking his stepsister and he's trying to stop but like he's like kind of addicted to it because he grew up doing it and he knows it's wrong but he can't stop and he's trying to have a normal relationship with like a nice college girl but then he winds up getting his stepsister pregnant. You know what? I could like, see that that yeah. type of porn really reaching people <coughs> who, and not only, I don't want to, yeah. again, generalize. Yeah, you don't want to generalize. But there are people I mean, who fantasize about rape for example because they were raped and because right. it gives them this freedom to have a different outcome where it's intentional they want to have it yeah. they're safe and I could see so many people go through sexual trauma they've had these experiences that they find healing and empowerment through this kind of stuff yeah. that's not to say that somebody else wouldn't get off on it I just I just think that that is a, a very large audience probably just considering the statistics that we know of, yeah. of, of the things people go through and to do it in a way that you know okay these are actors you know it's a safer space yeah no definitely and um i think people just have to open their eyes like <laughs> there's so many different types of porn out there and different types of people making it i think that's one of the biggest misconceptions in the industry is that like is that we're all the same and that we all um, march into the same building called porn every day and we all have the same boss and we all make the same amount of money and we all have the same struggles and the same fears and the same loves and the same thing. And there's so many, there's a thousand and one ways to be in the porn industry. And there's lots of different people here and people are here for different reasons, you yeah. know? And um, I think, that's one of the biggest misconceptions that people have is like that people don't do in Hollywood and people don't do in the music industry. Like nobody assumes yeah. that 
somebody in, you know, Slayer is going to have the same life as, um, you know, Rihanna, <laughs> you know? That is so true. <laughs> but you meet, yeah. but people just assume that you're two porn stars, so you must be the same. You yeah, know? there's like, much more of that. It's almost dehumanizing to say is, all these people is. are just these cookie cutter. They all look the same. They all act the same. They all aren't very educated. They all, you know, there's all these myths. And yeah. the adult stars that I have met, the variety and the diversity and... We're all different. All different. Yeah, and all we, have unique skills. We're different ages, you know. There are girls in porn that are from 18 to 60, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And everything and anything in between, you so know. True. So it's so true. Yeah, we're different ages. We're different ethnicities, different, you know. We, we all have different career paths. Yeah. Um, and I, I think people need to to just understand that before they start to make their own judgments, judgments on porn. Yeah, it's so true. You know? So you mentioned what you hope people get out of your your porn films that you create. What do you hope people get out of your novel? The, the you know, I want I want people to laugh. I want people to cry, uh, and I want people to get turned on. You know, um, I this is an erotica book, but this is this is a book. You know, and. Um, uh, I want people to to not just skip over to the sex parts, um, you know, like I want people to really to really read the story. You know? Because there's a lot of story and there's character development. And, and that's another myth about erotica, I think, is that it's, some people think, oh, it's just going to be no, I, sex I, scene, sex look, scene, this sex is, scene. This is a book written by a writer. And granted, I'm not this is my first book, um, but I, I everything. Thank you. I'm so excited about this. Yeah. I, I like. I started like crying the other day because they put. Um, you know, it's been on an Amazon pre-order for a while, but nobody had it yet. And then um, somebody the other day, I guess BarnesandNobles.com put uh, put it o- available for download. And somebody messaged me, the first person, and it wasn't somebody I knew. You know, mm. it wasn't somebody I handed yeah. the book to. It said, "I just finished reading your book," and I was like, "I didn't even." No, it was out yet. And they said, Barnes & Noble's put it up for download. And she said, I just started it this morning um, and I'm almost done. I couldn't put it down. This is an an incredible book. And I, I like started crying. I was like, that's amazing. It's an incredible feeling when you've put your heart and soul into something and someone's reading it and appreciating it. There's, yeah, that's what book. writers want. So review it, you guys. It if you read yeah, it, please read it and review it. And I'll, I want to hear you. your feedback. And you know, if you don't like it, I want to hear that too. You know, because this is something I want to do more of, and um, and I want you know, I want to keep getting better at it. Um, you know, and I, I really like. I didn't just write this book so people would have another thing to masturbate to. I really wanted this to be treated like, like a real book. You know, and I I used all the. All the rules that I learned in college, you know, about character development and, you know, and and just story arcs and, and the way, you know, I, I wrote this from a writer's point of view and I made sure that those things were covered. And it wasn't just even when I was frustrated and stuck on the story. And yeah, when you're writing erotica, you could solve that problem by just putting in a sex scene and just kind of skipping fast to sex just so there's a bunch of filthy words that someone could read. And I was like, no, sex is not ready to happen yet because these two people haven't fully bloomed as characters yet. I was like, I have to keep going and I have to figure out where they're going to go and I can't be lazy and I can't give up. And mm-hmm. and um, so I really tried to do that. And I'm so excited to to hear what 
what people think. I've really fallen in love with the characters. I in can this see book. that. I really I can did. See that. What what recommendation would you have for a new writer, somebody who wants to write erotica, their first novel? What writing advice has been the most helpful for you? Ugh. I mean, you got to write what you know. You know. Um, and if you don't know, if you want to write about something you don't know, then then, then do some research and see what inspires you. Um, but, you know, write from the heart. Um, don't don't like don't think about like impressing people when you're writing, you know, think about like something that genuinely interests you. And you have to know that if you don't like your own story, nobody will like your story. Like you need to be impressed by it. You know, mm. like you need to like it. You need to put it away for a while and read it and see if it holds your own interest. Because if it doesn't hold your interest, it won't hold anybody's That's interest. That's great advice. I love what you said about not thinking about what other people, like trying to impress them because I yeah. think that's so stifling. It keeps people from writing at all. Because they're does, thinking, oh, they didn't like that sentence. And I, I always think, you know, if you can write the first draft without thinking at all or trying not to really think about the audience, write it for yourself. Yeah, write it for yourself. You can yourself. always rewrite it later. Like, exactly. You're going to edit it is forever. A, is an ever-growing, ever-breathing thing. But I think... Um, and also, it really did help me. I spent the first month of writing this book. I was just working on an outline. I think a really clear outline really helps you write. Especially with your structure of the Choose yeah, Your the Adventure. Yeah, I needed like a map, you know. So do you like, know every possible storyline outcome? I mean, uh, well, could yeah. you even? Like, exactly? I, I, I did, yeah. I had yeah. to outline that because you, you kind of have to know where you're going or that or then one path could have been too long and the other one would have been too short you know so and are there how many different endings are there's, there? there's um see there's i think there, there's four okay. there's like four main stories going on in the book there's so it's like, kind of four books because it's can kind it of four books four yeah and some of the stories start to cross in between and you'll, you'll see it's a, that's so exciting i, I hope you read it I will. I've read the beginning so far. and It hooks you in. I like fast, the character right? a lot. And you really go into the character's head. So it feels like you are living the experience. Yeah. You're you're really close to the narrator. Yeah. Which I really appreciate. And you pay attention to all those details. And I think it's a really special book. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm very excited about this. This is like just a brand new thing that I'm doing, you know. And yeah. um, we can't wait to see what the world the world thanks awesome well tell people where they can learn more about you uh, and they can, follow your work you can find me on twitter which is just joanna angel on both twitter and instagram you can watch my porn on burningangel.com um and um i hope you like it and your book is available <laughs> and my on book is Barnes available Noble, yeah amazon. yeah you can buy the book on amazon it is called night shift by joanna angel Beautiful. <laughs> thank you for joining me i hope you'll thank come you. back yeah definitely yeah <laughs> i i know you mentioned i don't know how long you take to air the episodes but i did have a i did have an event at the pleasure chest which you said was your one of your sponsors yeah coming up you do um yeah i do uh if you, you can check out my book tour dates on my um on my Twitter and on my Instagram. Awesome. But um, yeah, I do know I have one in, I think it's like March 12th or March 13th where I'll be at the Pleasure Chest. So. All right. So everybody, make sure you follow Joanna so that you can learn about these things or find it on the PleasureChest.com events page. And if you are enjoying Girl Boner Radio, please subscribe on iTunes if you haven't. You can also follow us on Spotify. And I hope you'll leave a simple review on iTunes while you're there. It really helps us keep things going. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week. Thank you. Thank you.